Welcome to the Return of Roots Mill Vet Podcast, your guide through the journey from military to veterans in the community. This podcast is dedicated to service members, veterans, and their families. Get ready for inspirational stories and experiences generously shared by our amazing guests. Stand by for the sound of freedom. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to remind you of two essential resources, the 988 National Hotline for Mental Health Support and the MYTT365 app available at mildevet.com. Both are valuable tools to assist you in your transition journey. Now let's get to the show. Return to Roots Podcast. Welcome. Today we bring you two, well, an actor and an actress. Uh, They're going to tell us and share with us options and keys to be able to make that transition into that realm. Without further ado, King and Anol, welcome to the show. Hey, we lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I'm so glad you guys came on here. And everybody that's listening to the show are going to want to get a hold of you. So what is the best way to do that? Cool. What's up? I'm A. Noel Jackson, and you can find me on uh, Instagram at Fearless Actress. That's mainly where I live. Um, sometimes I'm on Twitter. That's TF Actress on Twitter and LinkedIn. Sometimes, like if you're feeling nerdy like that, <laughs> you can find me. On Way to call me out. <laughs> I, I did. Just uh, playing. A. Noel Jackson. Um, I forgot my glasses. <laughs> and also i have my own website called be the fearless so that's a few ways to to find me what's the name of your website again it's be the fearless cool cool if you want to find me just follow my name it's on instagram it's king jaquel martin that's the only thing i honestly really be on so if you want to find me dm me message me i will message you back i'm so willing to collaborate and network with any and everybody if you're really serious about it. So get at me. Yeah. <laughs> so the best way to get a hold of you, check out the sites. Uh, so bro, sister, what what is it that got you guys going in your transition mindset? Like what material were you reading during that mm-hmm. time frame or in digesting? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, this is your area right here. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm, I'm an avid reader. Um, quite a few things. I will start from like very recently. Uh, I'm a big podcaster. I love listening to podcasts. And one of my favorite ones um, is Diary of a CEO. That Ooh. one is so amazing. You, you have so many different um, just thought leaders from all parts of entertainment and beyond so really a fan of that podcast another podcast i love is jeff logan's um podcast be this what was it called oh my gosh i almost forgot it but jeff's podcast is uh becoming the beast he is incredible about um holistically being fully whole as a human being and as an entertainer what have you and then books i love to read the alchemist i feel like that one is a great my favorite book my it's favorite so book. Good. The Alchemist is amazing. Um, when I want to kind of like suspend my uh, realm of disbelief, I love fantasy books. I love sci-fi. 
big fan of Tommy Adeyemi's book series. Um, she started off with, um, oh gosh, I'm blinking, but um, with her series as a whole, she was talking about um, mystical powers um, in Africa. So I'm a big fan of her as an author. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are the type of things that I love to feed my soul with. I'm not a reader like that. <laughs> if it's a script, I'll read it. But if I want to tell you a book, I'll tell you, go get my book, A Warm Friendly Grounds. It's on Amazon. I wrote a book about my life, which we'll get into a little bit later. But a great read, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Yes. That is a good one. I love that. And The 50 Laws of Power. Shout out to 50. Big bro. I think those two books are life-changing if you choose to not just read it. Because it's one thing to read something. It's another thing to apply it. When you start applying different things in your life, you have no choice but to get a different result because you're showing up in life differently. So Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill and The 50 Laws of Power. Wow. Beautiful books. Yeah. I just I just added them to my uh to my reading list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, the grounds, my book, A Warm Friendly Grounds. Yeah. Shameless yes. plug. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's the best part about this, what you just said. Don't just read a book, but take some action. Yeah. Every single book you should take a nugget of action. It's a horrible book. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can glean that's a probably not a not worthy of uh, a read again with the same author. But hey, yeah. <laughs> well, learn, well, you can learn something from any kind of book. When I, when I graduated college, one of my quotes was the biggest lie is knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. It's just knowledge because you can know everything and do nothing. But the application of knowledge is where you find your power. So it's when you're applying what you know that makes you powerful. Mm -hmm. wow. Amen. That's well and with that, I want to transition each one of you guys individually <clears throat> into there's going to be a two part question, right? But we're going to fit the first part one in one. If you could go back in time before you joined the military, what advice would you give yourself to be successful? And when would you give yourself that advice? Mm. Me lady. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, <laughs> well, coming from a dependence perspective, um, I'm an army brat. So my entire family either worked for the military or has joined the military. All army, all of them. I am the black sheep. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go into the arts. Woo! So one thing I would say to my former younger self is to remain dedicated to your dream because no one can see your dream except for you. No one knows what's going on in your mind except for you. And a lot of times when you go off the beaten path, uh, a lot of people around you, even if they mean well, your family might mean well and say like, hey, what are you doing? Like, consider this option because it worked well for us. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's your calling. So really being steadfast on your calling, even when it gets lonely, um, oftentimes when I, I, I knew at a very young age, as, as young as six, that I wanted to be in this industry, that I wanted to act and I wanted to perform and I wanted to create my own content and my own films. I knew very young. Um, but 
when you're that young and you're telling your parents or like your older sisters, like, this is what I want to do. They look at you crazy. Like, no, you don't know what you want to do, but hello. Now I'm no longer six. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say like that. I'm way older and I'm, you know, in full, in my full power. And now they see with the things that I've attained and I accomplished, they're like, Oh yeah, you were right the whole time. I'm like, duh. Cause I, <laughs> I know myself. but I will tell, I will tell myself to, remain committed to your dream. I love that. That's the biggest thing. And honestly, I wouldn't tell myself too early. I'll probably tell myself a little bit later in my teenagehood to remain focused because especially that age range is really weird when you're trying to fit in, you're going through puberty, things are happening within your body and then with your friend circle and, and remaining dedicated to your dream like that when there's pressures in school and they're telling you, no, you need a boyfriend now, or no, you need to do this now, or you need to hang out with us and go to this party now. And it was like, do I do that, or do I remain committed to who I want to be in my yeah. dream? And I chose that, and I'm so glad I did. I'll, I'll add on to what Anoel said. I did a speech that said, do you get mad at blind people for being blind? And everyone was like, no, no, no. I was like, okay. So why do you get upset when the family and the friends don't support your dream because they can't see it? Wouldn't they be blind to your dream? So again, do you get mad at blind people for being blind? But you know what people can see? They can see the result. And in order to get the result, can you be disciplined and can you be consistent? And the nugget that I'll give everybody is this. One moment doesn't define your life. You do. We all hit the crossroads in life. We all hit the fork in the road. We all hit moments where we transition, whether we're leaving the military and starting a whole new world. One moment doesn't get to define your life, whether it be good, bad, whether you're feeling like it's, it's your last day and you can't go no further. It's just a moment and even seasons change too. So if you can weather the storm, there will always be a rainbow on the other end of it. And the beautiful thing about it is if you could change your perspective about how you're looking at what you're going through, you'll see the blessing inside of it. You'll be able to see the blessing inside of it. And the moment that I would tell my younger self this was the moment that I got wrongfully assaulted by the police in my military uniform in front of my home with my ex. And when I was on the ground and when I saw her on the ground being wrongfully assaulted, I thought my life was over. And I was like, man, I served my country. I've been a good person. How could this ever happen to me? My life is over. To see where that moment has led me to where I am right now in life is only proof that one moment doesn't get to decide your life. You do. And I could allow that situation to take me into the sunken place, which it did. But I started listening to motivational speaking tapes. I started putting myself in different and healthier environments. And now I've turned that horrible situation into a blessing. Now I can help other people pull themselves out of their dark places. You're on mute. Oh. Yep, I am on mute. Um, <laughs> with that, King, what advice would you give yourself, right? Specifically talking about the military um, transition, right? And how yeah. early would you give yourself that advice? Um, I would have gave myself 
when it was me time when it was time to sign the papers when i got a hundred percent you know well when i first got put out the military they were trying to put me out with a zero percent discharge and it was crazy because i was like this is this is ridiculous how can you treat me like this and my mother was a first sergeant so we fought we wrote the white house we turned in the packet and the funny thing about me is i was a medical soldier so when i was wrongfully assaulted by the police they were like oh why would the police do anything wrong to you they must have been in the right but when i went to court and i was found not guilty on all charges the military was like oh crap we messed up we screwed this soldier we got to get him out of here because a lot of us can lose our jobs so they tried to put me out with a zero percent rating i fought to get my 70 percent you know you do your six months evaluation i dropped back down to 30 percent I moved to California and I finally wind up getting my 100%. And now I'm fighting to get my back paid for my 100% from the first time that I was put out. I will just tell you, do not give up on what's yours. Do not give up on what's yours. Like we're actresses, right? And if they say life is like a movie and, and a movie is a reflection of life, then my question to all of you guys, even the former veterans in here, will you be the hero of your own story? What are you willing to do to save you from whatever your protagonist looks like? Because it is your job with your free will to save yourself or to help find helpful resources to give you the strength that you always had to be able to save yourself. Because I promise you this one thing, somebody wishes they were even alive to have your type of problems. <laughs> and when you change that perspective, it gives a lot of hope. And then you become the little engine that could, and then you become an unstoppable force once you realize your true power. Wow. Very inspirational. Yeah. Still living it, yo. I went from wrongfully getting assaulted to moving to LA where they're like, you're going to LA, no one knows you. You're right. Yeah. See, that's someone's job to play that protagonist in your journey of where your purpose is. Someone has to tell you no mm -hmm. for you to see how bad what you say you really want. Can you still push forward when you're being told no, right? And then I wrote a book. Oh, nobody's gonna read your book. It'll never sell. And I finally get done with the book, but guess what happened? COVID. And then I had made the movie. I made the movie before George Floyd's situation ever occurred. May he rest in power and love and shout out to his family. Um, no one's going to watch the movie. And then all of a sudden, the movie just won movie of the year at the Chinese theater for best short. And now myself and Noel will be working on the feature film. So I just want to encourage you guys to continue taking baby steps because eventually they'll turn into giant strides. You just got to keep moving forward even when no one's watching. Wow. And I love how you mentioned earlier on uh, consistency and being it's not all just about consistent right because if you do something and you're doing the wrong thing you're just going to stay doing the wrong thing right right mm -hmm. uh, but having that discipline right mm -hmm. consistency and discipline and continuously reaching and learning and improving yourself which both of you have mentioned that and you're, you're literally everything that you're speaking and you're saying you are living it right you're yeah. not just talking the talk you're actually walking the walk and mm -hmm. that's part of your life so that's very inspirational because it's a reality right yeah 
So awesome. And success, real success leaves breadcrumbs. So people will be able to go back to say, okay, how did he get kicked out? You can go on YouTube. The same officer who assaulted me in my military uniform is the same officer who assaulted the young lady at Spring Valley High School. His name is Officer Benjamin Fields, mm -hmm. and he worked for Officer Deputy Joseph Clark. So not only did he did it once, he did it twice. You can look at my CNN interviews. Then you can go on Amazon, you can see my book. You, I can, I'm about to release the short film. I'm looking for different platforms, streaming platforms to put it on, but then you'll see the evidence of the short film. And then again, you'll be able to see the evidence of the feature film once I work the money up to get the feature film to be able to tell that story. So, and the funny thing is, I'm gonna tell you the biggest secret. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not the first person that has happened to. I'm not the last person that has happened to. But if I can just help one person, if I could just save one person, then I feel like I've done my part. And when you take everything off of you and you make it about everyone else and you're doing it from the heart, everything's going to fall in place. I agree. That, that's how this uh, podcast came about. Um, yeah. We we didn't know how to. First off, we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, Chris has been in or he was in for. 20 years, right? I'm going in on, uh, I'm going towards 22. Thank um, you guys for your service. Pleasure. Um, and if we don't know certain things, what is the person that has been in there for about a year, two years, three years, yeah. what do they know? Right. Mm -hmm. And how much are they getting pushed around? Right. Or what, what opportunities are they getting left on the table? Mm -hmm. Um, without being able because they honestly don't know right mm -hmm. and then you have 10 20 30 years and they're like oh well i could have done that but you know what yes. it's too late i don't care about it i already made my life i don't need that right and we're like no that's not right so right. in the path of trying to share that knowledge with the rest of our audience which at the time it was just me and chris and his mom mm -hmm. his mom is very supportive um Hi, Mom. So, hi, Mom. It took, it, took his, it took his mom 100 uh, subscribers for her to finally come on. But it took all of that for us to start actually learning that what we were doing, mm -hmm. it was also benefiting us. Interviewing people, getting the mindset, talking to everyone. Yep. And other opportunities came about that we honestly never even thought or we were pursuing, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't, again, we go back to, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we didn't know that we were essentially creating a network for us to share with everyone else, right? And oh, to yeah. bring awareness. And now we're able to have you here uh, and share your story, right? Yeah. So speaking about that, um, what kind of films, what kind of uh, things have you guys been a part of? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so many things. Oh, my gosh. Um, so from an actor's perspective, so I'll start with that because I consider myself a multi-hyphenate because I literally do everything. <laughs> actor, producer, screenwriter, all that. So acting side, um, I was in a TV show called The Librarians, and it aired on TNT. So I had in my first um, first co-star role in that, 
where I played Mercy Jones and that was so much fun. And then from there, I did a Super Bowl commercial back in about 20, it was like 2018. Uh, that was my first commercial and it was for Credit Sesame, which was like Credit Karma, make sure that you keep your credit all to the good, um, did that. And then um, did a few voiceover spots. Um, very recently I did, I was a voice for Styles for the LOL Surprise Winter Fashion Show. That's a kid's show on um, Netflix. And so um, that was one of my favorite projects to mm. date to do as an actor. I mean, come on, rolling out of bed, going to the studio in your pajamas and just saying your lines was freaking amazing. So <laughs> as an actor, I advocate so hard for voice acting because it's so much fun. You can be in your pajamas all day long and then you're still working. Amazing, two thumbs up. Um, so did that. And then um, as a producer, I had worked with a Senator of Washington, Mona Doss um, on, her, on her journey um, as a Senator. And I also highlighted um, seven other women of color who were competing for their respective um, political seats. And so that won a total of seven awards for myself and my best friend won eight awards because um, mm -hmm. she directed the piece. And so won a couple of tellies and a couple of independent um, awards, uh, filmmaker awards as well, um, and a couple certificates. And yeah, and then I'm currently writing um, a series. Um, I, I'm a, I can drop it here. I, is everything's copyrighted. Exclusive, um, exclusive. <laughs> and so it's about two vigilante women who are, um, they just kick ass, take names. They really go after people who abuse the weak and the downtrodden. So that is my area of expertise. So my main thing is I always highlight, um, you know, beautiful, strong, Black women who just take no shit. That is my brand. <laughs> I'm really, and I love highlighting Black women in their strength and women of color who have strong voices that need to be heard. Um, and very recently, I just signed up to production manage a feature film in Seattle. And I'm also producing a documentary in Houston. So oh, yeah, that's um, cast my net is far and wide. And then I'm also a motivational speaker. And I just spoke in Austin to young kids about navigating Hollywood safely. Mm -hmm. One last thing, I am also a pageant girl. So I have just, I'm now competing as um, <laughs> Miss Washington Elite. And so um, whoop, whoop. My platform is, of course, navigating Hollywood safely to make sure that our young um, kids out there understand how to get into the industry without um, falling to falling into predators' hands, cybersecurity, um, and also building uh, positive relationships with their parents and their grown folks around them, so they don't get they don't fall trapped into sex trafficking or human trafficking in any way. Whew. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. What what state are you from? Are you from uh, are you from Washington State? I'm from Tacoma originally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm always flying back home. You know Tacoma. Well, I'm, I live in Snohomish. Hey. Oh my God, we're, we're practically neighbors. What you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty cool. I I love all that. You know. Thank you. Um, yeah. So King. What about you, man? Man, I went from you gotta top that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, aside, don't put too much pressure. But no, I went from being on the ground wrongfully facing 10 years to 
being on HBO Ballers with The Rock to I just did a movie with Master P, my first feature film. Shout out to Master P called Costa de la Clica. It's going to be the Spanish version of Eight Mile. I did a TV series called Cocaine Sisters with uh, Dorian, who played Professor Ogilby. I've done a couple of other shows like uh, Wives with Knives, Sex Sent Me to the Slammer. I had a Super Bowl commercial air for the Bank of America. Uh, my movie just won Movie of the Year, uh, Award for the Grounds, my book. I have another movie that has won awards called Twitter Fingers. And uh, I have another movie called An Evolution of Slavery. But my prize that I'm working on right now, I have a brand new concept because America, we got some things to talk about. And I want to challenge us because a lot of times when we talk about America, we talk about it from pain. So I want to talk about it from the concept of love. And does love really conquer all? So my question that I had to my beautiful wife of America is, is the flag a lie? And my question was, is the flag a lie for this reason? Because the flag says it represents liberty, freedom, and justice for all. That means everyone. But does it? And if it doesn't, what can we do to improve it so everyone does have everything that my beautiful bride, America, promised us? So I have a new movie that's coming out entitled Am I in a Domestic Violent Relationship with America? Because I know I love her. I love my wife, America. I love my bride-to-be. But am I in a domestic violent relationship with her? So I want to challenge people. And my goal is to get people to look in the mirror because I can't change anyone. But if I can show you some type of content that makes you want to challenge your programming, because we've all been programmed to think a certain way, whether it's family, friends, environment, society, social media, music, you know, just from the things that we watch. If I can get you to look in the mirror and want to challenge yourself, I think I've done my job as a filmmaker. I fully agree. Oh, brother. Like, I'm just a, so I'm a note taker. So you'll see me just like, I love that. What you just said, what you just said really resonated with me. And I'm really eager to see this because what you said about our love for this country, you know, hey, we raised our hand. Yeah. we volunteered. Yeah. You know, everybody that's listening has has uh, most likely raised their hand at one point in time and said, you know what? Hey, I, I appreciate where I'm at. I appreciate the opportunities that I have available to me that I'm not going to be able to find anywhere else. Right. Not like this. And then then you, you talk about how, is it a lie? I think at one point in time, and different points of time it has shown some truth mm-hmm. but it's almost kind of like that guy with a little uh, dollar bill on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, wow absolutely love this man and i'm really i'm really interested in this because i do believe that freedom is achievable mm-hmm from no matter where you're at in your journey like brother i i was 
I grew up in shelters. Like, yeah. Family to family, I was I should have been statistically like down in the dumps. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have achieved a certain level of freedom that I never mm-hmm. thought would ever happen. And I think a lot of the thing is is what you were just saying, bro. Yeah, man. it's because once we get in that hard spot, that hard point, yeah, you just give up, roll over, and say, "Okay, I guess it's just how it is." Mm-hmm. Or did you just fight relentlessly for yourself, mm-hmm. yeah, for your family to create that generational change to find that freedom eventually, and to say, "Hey, I may not have the freedom today, but you know, tomorrow that's another day." So another These day. Are the things I'm. Man, I just love that man. That just really intrigues me. It's funny, right? Because now my friends they see me on the red carpet, and oh my God, you're with this person. Yeah, look, look where you're at. Uh And I'm like, you have no clue what it took to even be here. You don't know how many tears I've shed. You don't know how many no's I was told, how many auditions, how many more headshots I had to buy. You know, it's 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 trusting the process. I believe Kevin Hart said sometimes the hardest thing to do is know your purpose, wake up with the goal and realize that you're in the same spot or feel as if you're Mm -hmm. in the same spot and to continue pushing forward. And I was just like, man, yeah. SD. Yeah. So speaking of this, man, speaking of finding your purpose and all that, what did it take for you to get in the right mindset during your own transition? And people, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm, I know you're going to go in on this. Yeah. You did not have the typical transition. Oh, no. I mean, um, you want me to let the queen go first? <laughs> you want to go first, love? Yeah, I can go first because I'll be quick because yours is way more yeah. in depth. So <laughs> way, way more. Um, when it's com- when it comes to that transition, when I made the determination to continue being and acting and all of that. Um, I was at a point like my dad and I, we were butting heads a lot, a lot. He did not understand my journey one bit. I, uh, to be fair, I, I get it. <laughs> I understand from his perspective because when you have, I'm the youngest in the family. So when you have two other daughters who committed to the army, mm-hmm. they did 20 years and 22 years respectively. And then they have husbands that are in the army. It's like, at one point he felt like I betrayed him mm. because I went off the beaten path and I wanted to, to go full force into entertainment. But even with that pain, I still knew that I had to continue forward. I had to move forward because even without the evidence, that's where faith comes in, mm. you know? And so you better talk. <laughs> and so I just really had to just dig deep and say like, I have to do this. If if nothing else, I had to do it for myself. I even had, um, I've had big disagreements with my middle sister. She and I are not in the best place because at one point in time, things look like complete disaster. I mean, you're talking about when I first moved out here, uh, I had, I was jumping from one roommate situation to the next. I was a victim of sexual assault. 
um, being here and went from that to like, is this the right decision? Mm -hmm. And okay, well, let me, let me talk to my family and let at least let them know I'm safe, but this is what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And I understand that they were speaking out of fear, but they were like, this is not working out. You need to go, you need to come home. You need to come here. And then there was still something in me. Maybe it's maybe I was crazy. I don't care. All I knew is that I have this burning desire to succeed. And yeah. I knew what God told me. I knew what spirit was telling me mm -hmm. to continue. And I just had to keep pushing forward because what I saw for myself, what I continue to see for myself is far greater than my circumstance. Mm. And so I had to believe in that. And I'm, I'm very grateful I did. And I made it to the other side. And I know that I'm still not done yet. It's just another chapter in the book. But I'm so glad that the chapters past that I went through, number one, it got me to this point. And number two, I really had to love and forgive and thank my past self. Because without my past self, there wouldn't be a present or a future me. Wow. And so really thinking about that whole transition of leaving, packing up my car one day and just driving from Tacoma, Washington, all the way down to LA, not knowing the people I was staying with, not knowing anybody really, I didn't really know anyone here. And just on faith, God, knowing that God said, no, you are meant to be here. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to go now. You're supposed to be here now. And trusting that process, it is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like King. People will hit me up <laughs> now saying like, oh, hey, Miss Hollywood. Oh, I see you on the red carpet. Oh, I see you in this commercial. I see you doing this and that. But the level of pain mm -hmm. I had to go through, I really felt like a rose out of concrete. I really felt like I had to really overcome not only the circumstances around me, but also like what was going on inside there. Of course, there's points where I was like, this is looking crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But I knew what I saw at six. I've been journaling since I was six years old. I'm now in my thirties. I have not stopped journaling. I know what mm. my life entails and what's and what's supposed to come. So I had to, I had to reconcile that fact that not everybody, including my family, is going to understand. Yeah. But it's okay because I need to commit. That's dope. Just for the record, I want to make sure that our audience heard it right. You're in your 20s, correct? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I heard. <laughs> 21 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, with your 21 year old self. What made you want to protect other women in Hollywood? What or just children? What 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 motivated that? Oh my God! There's a oh why would you ask me that? There, there's a host. It's <laughs> beautiful. He took it. He took it. I mean, I know, I know. Okay. Yes. Um, I want to hear now. I'm intrigued. Okay. A number of things. So, you know, just. Well, number one, just growing up, I'll start very general and then I'll go get very specific. So growing up, uh, I, I was just always so enamored, like watching music videos, watching Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, watching um, Aaliyah, all these beautiful entertainers who were singers and then they transitioned to acting. It was, they were like chameleons. And I was just so inspired um, by just so many people like Carrie Washington, Denzel, this is a Washington, like all these amazing, prolific actors. And I was like seeing that I'm like, oh my God, like my, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had a calling. It was deeper than just like, oh yeah, I want to do it. It was like a calling to 
be um, in entertainment. And so, um, you know, when you have a mom who is working for the military, she's a military wife, she doesn't know anything about <laughs> what I'm talking about. She's like, who's this kid? <laughs> is this my child? <laughs> so um, what I'm great, very grateful for is I had programs in school. I had choir and then I was heavily in church. So I was singing church choirs and all that. I did all the theater shows in church as well as <laughs> in school, which was like a foundation for me. And then I had a wonderful um, professor in high school. Her name was Mrs. Halpin, may she rest in peace, that she encouraged me to continue into theater. And I didn't think I could do it because when I was in fifth grade, I had ruined the show, like horrible. I forgot all my lines and I ran off stage and I was crying. So I didn't think I could make it <laughs> after that. But she encouraged me to get back into acting. And I did in that one little moment just changed my entire life. Um, but when I, years later, after I've gotten my degree in theater and all that good stuff and decided to make the transition to LA, uh, while in LA, I had a very scary situation um, where I was being harassed. Um, the person I was supposed to be staying with, he was he sexually assaulted me. Um, and it, in a way, I'm like, I'm grateful it wasn't full on Right. But it was very scary um, to the point where I was afraid to even enter into the home. Mm -hmm. um, and I just knew like from that point, I was like, if I had a big sister who was in this industry or yeah. I had a mentor who was in this industry that could have given me just a small blueprint of like, hey, this, this is how to navigate. This is where to find safe places to stay and all that. I feel like I would have been so much better um, and in better situation than just coming out here like, okay, well, I'm just going to figure it out because I'm very stubborn that way. Like I'm a very stubborn individual. If I want to, if I want to know something, I'm nosy. I'm going to search out and I'm going to find out myself. But a lot of times it's good to have someone who's already walk that path right. and so i was like okay whenever i'm in a better situation i'm just gonna speak my truth i'm gonna share what i know who any young woman or young man who wants to get into this field if they have any questions i am an open book i am here to share just because i don't want anyone to go through exactly what i went through right. you're talking about like the stalking the phone calls at random times of the night the like taking like trying to attempt to steal my underwear like just crazy things that i went through um all just because i just wanted to follow a dream i i, I came here to work i did not i'm not i did not come here to sell my soul or sell my body that's just not it i that, that's not it and no woman or man has to ever sell their body or their soul in order to make it and that is what i really want to implore to everyone listening yeah. no matter how young or old you are you do not have to compromise your integrity or your morals to to be successful wow and that can be said more than just into in that industry yeah yeah, yeah I, I would say that it's um something that a lot of people there's a lot of predators i would mm -hmm. say there's a huge percentage of predators especially because both the actors and the actresses they're good looking and stuff like that um but wow for you to take a step back and be able to 
help and guide them. That is, mm -hmm. it takes a very strong person to do that. So I commend you for it. Oh, thank you. That, that's why I thought Yogi was really important for her to tell that portion because yeah. sometimes you have people that speak with no experience. They never had to actually deal with it. They're just talking because they feel like it's a good subject. But I wanted people to know that it's coming from experience and overcoming and it's coming from the right place. You know, you have people who can articulate things, but they have no truth behind what they're articulating. So I wanted them to know how important it was the things that she's been through, the things that she's overcome, and why it's important that she wants to share so she can prevent it from happening to anyone else. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And as a, as, a, as a survivor, right, I can tell you um, that being able to reach back and help to prevent other people from going through that pain is huge, right? Uh, and King, you 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 nailed it right on the head. I mean, we have so many programs that are there to try to help you and assist you, but if the person that's behind that program doesn't believe because they don't know, they really don't know. They just think, oh, this person's just faking it or this person is just, oh, they just want attention or whatever it is. and that's not the case that's why a lot especially um statistically wise right both sexual assaults and rapes are go um unreported because yep. of fear right yep. and it's a higher percentage for the male population because now not only are you um you're ashamed of yourself right mm -hmm. for having whatever guys and girls you're ashamed of yourself for putting yourself in that position right right however that happened you right. were in that position and you're 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 having to go through that and then as a guy it challenges everything that it means to you to be a man right your your masculinity your everything else so uh thank you thank you for standing up for that, that population. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's needed. And especially for these young men out here because of the uh, stigma of masculinity being threatened and all of that. And that the fear is real to speak out and speak up because for a myriad of reasons, because people always want to want to go into victim blaming. Well, why would you do that to yourself? Like no one willingly walks into sexual assault or rape. It's just, it, it's nonsensical. It makes zero sense. And especially for young men out here, I feel like there's not enough resources for young men to feel safe and vulnerable to speak up and speak out about what is going on with them. Um, and so, I'm just doing my part as best as I can to make people feel safe and at least provide some type of guiding light. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to speak. It's okay to speak up. And speaking up leads to processing, which leads to healing, right? If not, you, you retain it. You retain it for years and it's going to come out. Uh, there's a book called the body keeps the score, right? And, mm -hmm. It's going to show up one way or another 
in mm -hmm. some kind of um, health or pain or whatever uh, in your body. And depending on how long you let it fester is how much it's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, I mean, unfortunately, we, we are better as a society and we, we have done things to bring awareness. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, and going back to what you were saying, King, um, we still have a long way to go. Yeah. We still have a long road uh, yeah. ahead of us. But no, seriously, thank you for standing up. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's important mm -hmm. because I'm more than the template that you're reading to me. Like when I went to VA and I would sit down, I was talking about my transition or my experiences. The doctor that I was talking to, I'm like, do we need to switch places? Because I don't honestly believe that you're hearing one word that I said. Because she asked me, well, why don't you stop fighting? Ma'am, I can't stop being black. No matter how many pills that you give me, it doesn't change the color of my skin when I walk outside into America. So you can try to keep me drugged up, but it doesn't change the color of my skin. I can't stop fighting what I was born to be. And you're not going to find that answer on a piece of paper. So it's not the fact that I don't want to heal. But when I leave your office, I still go back into the same situation that you'll never see. Yeah. My face is all over the news. If I get pulled over by the police and they recognize my face from the things that I'm saying, even if I'm talking about it from love, I am still subjected to situations that I have to be in, but it's like when you throw a rock into a pond, there's gonna be a ripple effect. So now it just doesn't affect me, but it starts to affect the woman that I'm with, my family, my boys, that, you know, it starts to affect the family around you. So now you have to tailor your words in such a way that you want to be truthful, but at the same time, you don't wanna shake the bees nest too much because bees are gonna come out and sting you. You know, in the military, we have the rule. What goes up comes back down. You report the chain of command that you're supposed to be trusting that you're going to war with. You're my battle. We wear the same uniform. We're all green until the time the things hit the fan. And then we're no longer green sometimes. Then sometimes it's my rank or I have to do what the higher ups say because I can't risk myself for you because now I'm putting myself at risk. So are we willing to do the right thing? And it's a tough question and it's hard conversations, but it's important for us to have a place to be able to have truthful conversations. And that's why your podcast is so amazing yeah. because you're giving us a safe place to be able to be honest and to be able to be truthful because I know right now some veteran is wiping their tears based off a truthful conversation, not because we're saying something that they don't know already, but they're able to be free because they don't have to say it and they can hear someone else say it for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. That's and pouring into that, man. You're like, let's let's hear it, man. What was what was it that it took for you to get into that mindset of, you know what? I'm transitioning. Oh, oh the hats out. The hats off. Chris, are you not getting with this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
honestly, Chris, I was in the dark, one of the darkest places of my life because I was soldier of the month, soldier of the quarter. I won all the commander's cups for sports, football, basketball. We were winning all the trophies. I was ranking up. I was the commander's driver. I was winning all type of different awards for just being an outstanding soldier. And on October 24, 2005, when I got wrongfully assaulted by the police, all that changed. I then became the Rodney King of the hospital. And it took four years for me to finally get the freedom that I was always supposed to have in the first place. Because they say that you're guilty, excuse me, they say that you're innocent until proven guilty. But that's not the truth. You're guilty until you finally prove your innocence. And even when you prove your innocence, you still have the stain of guilty about something that you've never done. It's the sad truth about us, right? So I lost my relationship. I lost my friends. I lost my career. My, my world was in shambles. And my mom said, get up, we're gonna go to CEO space. I'm not going nowhere, mom. I, don't, I, I ain't in the mood for all that. Because it was crazy because my mom moved all the way from Virginia because she was stationed at Fort Lee to come spend some time with me. It's crazy how you can go from one moment being married and having your own family to your mother moving back in to take care of you because you're so depressed. Wow. And you think that your house is your rules until your mom moves back in and you realize it's never going to be your rules when your mom is in your house because your mom is still your mom and your mom is still <laughs> you, right? She got that chunkla. Right? That's right. Thing at you. <laughs> so I went to this place called CEO Space. May he rest in power and love. His name is Mr. Bernie Dorham. CEO Space is one of a, a private entrepreneur conference where all the top entrepreneurs from around the world meet. And as I was walking through the hallways, this lady who happens to be white walks up on me and she touches me on my stomach and my forehead. Yogi, she doesn't know me. Chris, she doesn't know me at all. Can you imagine a person just walking up and touching you? In my mind, I'm like, what the? But I wanted to be respectful because she was an older lady. Was she but going clockwise or counterclockwise? I'm just curious. <laughs> it was stomach to forehead, stomach to forehead, right? Was she going opposite? Was she like, right, right? Yeah, like, wax on, wax off. You know, I'm bald headed right now. You know what I'm saying? Is uh, that how it happened? I don't know. I don't know. I might need my hair back. <laughs> you know, um, but the funny thing is, she said something to me that I've never heard in my life. And she says, you got to give birth to that. I was like, well, what are you talking about? She says, you don't know who you are yet, do you, young man? I said, excuse me? She said, I don't mean to offend you. She says, you look like you play sports. I said, I do. She said, who's your favorite basketball player? I said, Kobe Bryant. She said, well, tell me something about Kobe. I said, oh, Kobe Bryant with the Lauren Marion High School, got drafted to the Charlotte Hornets, traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, scored 62 versus Dallas in, th in three quarters, scored 82 versus, excuse me, 81 versus Toronto. Yes, five championship rings. She said, oh my God, you know a lot about Kobe. I was like, yes, ma'am. Tell me your stats. I said, huh? She said, uh-uh, no, no, you heard me. Tell me your stats. So you mean you can be excited and tell me everything about Kobe, but you can't have the same excitement about your own life and you can't tell me about you? Mm, and you wow. nothing wrong with that? I said, oh, my God. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> you know, 
So for all the veterans or people listening, we can name everyone else's songs. We can sing their lyrics. We could talk about the TV shows, the Emmys, the awards, whatever your guilty pleasure is. We could talk about what everybody else is doing in their life, but what are you doing in your life? I said, wow. Then she took it to a whole nother level. You see the big screen in behind me. You see the drawers, the flowers, the couches, the apartment, the hair, the clothes, the, the, the headset got on, yard stream. She says, Yogi, what if I told you that's not a TV you see? Chris, what if I told you that's not a dartboard that you have behind your head? Would you think I'm crazy? I said, well, I see a TV. I see a dartboard. She says, no, you don't. Okay. I said, well, what do I see? She says, that's the correct answer, sir. She says, what you see is someone else's dream. And if you're always participating in everyone else's dream, who's participating in your dream? And when did their dream become more important than your dream? Isn't it crazy that you will sacrifice and work your butt off to get an 86-inch screen, but you don't own nothing in your own name? Oh, I, I feel verbally assaulted. <laughs> it, 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 it hit me in a way that I never understood, and it made me start thinking about life differently. And I said, well, what am I really good at? Well, I've been acting a fool my whole life. Why not become an actor? I did it in high school. Why not now? So I became an actor. But I love motivational speaking, right? Because when I'm acting, I'm only acting out someone else's thoughts, which is an amazing opportunity. But I have my own things that I want to do. So I started my motivational speaking brand, which is entitled Whispering to Your Soul. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to your soul. That's my goal. Because right now, if someone like Denzel says something, you're going to listen because of the status that he has. So when my acting status goes up, you're more than likely to want to listen more. But at the same time, I have to be willing to do the same type of work when no one is around. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I got a funny story for y'all. And this is a true story. When I moved to California, I was a security guard. Took off my army boots. You know how you throw the boots on the wire. I'm never putting on the uniform again. I'm free. <laughs> so I get here and I'm a security guard doing my thing. Top flight of the world. I work in security at Fox Studios. And I'm around Jack Black, Morris Chestnut, Denzel, all the stars. And I'm like, man, look at everybody in the room. This is amazing. But I was embarrassed. Because I see their success, but I couldn't see my own self having the same success. So I'm having my own conversation with God. Like, God, uh, I said I wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to be a security guard. Well, if you act like just a security guard, that's how you're going to be treated. But if you act how you were called to be, then that's how they'll see you. I said, wow, okay. So I'm going to acting school. I'm, I'm doing my little thing, you know what I mean? And... All of a sudden, my friend Jeff, who played Tupac in the Death Row Chronicles, shout out to Jeff, love you, my boy. He's also a veteran who's a Marine. He went from being in the Marines to playing Tupac in the Death Row Chronicles. He said, I'm going to go to New York. That's film. badass. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's badass, man. I don't have a chance for that role, man. <laughs> Jeff says, I'm going to go to New York Film Academy to be a screenwriter. I said, well, I just wrote a book. I'm going to school to be a screenwriter, too. 
So I went up to New York <laughs> Film Academy, right? And I signed up to be a screenwriter. And then I found out how much screenwriters had to write. Yeah, that ain't for me, bro. <laughs> that ain't my calling. The Lord done tricked me because I don't like to write like that. So I was finna leave. And I was on my way out. This guy was like, well, have you ever thought about directing? I said, hmm? Yeah, well, let me hear about this directing program. He was like, well, the directors are the creators. They're the ones that come up with the concept and they help the actors get emotionally involved and they prepare them mentally so that way they can produce it on, oh, Eureka, that's me. So I signed up and school was six to seven days a week. Man, God, wow. how am I going to audition and go to film school? So I signed up anyway. I get an audition, on the, right? Like, so about a year, uh, about six months later, I get an audition for Ballers, right? It was on a weekend, happened to fall on the day I didn't have to go to school. So I go in, I do the audition. I go back to school for about six more months. I don't hear anything from them. And I get a call from my manager and agent. And they were like, hey, King, uh, we got some news for you. I'm going to call your agent. And we're going to call you back at three o'clock. Got it? Bye. Click. <laughs> I said, oh, damn. They finna let me go. Yeah. New manager, new agent. I ain't been on no auditions. I ain't making them no money. I'm just for taking up a roster spot. They finna let me go. So I had it set in my mind. I'm finna get let go, right? Three o'clock come. Hello? You know, I'm trying to be extra chippy with me. You know what I'm saying? Hi, guys. How you doing? I was like, so, King, have you heard the news? Yeah. <laughs> now that laugh is priceless. Hey, I hey, love hey, that hey, laugh. Hey, hey. I was trying to be extra happy. No, let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Don't hide it. Let it out. I hear from you. Oh, right? What? What did I say? So, what did I like, you know, like a like a Carlton feel? Like you're wearing your like turtleneck, right? And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so he said, "King, have you heard the news?" I said, "Nah, what you talking about?" They said, "King." I said, oh, "I know y'all finna let me go. I appreciate everything y'all did. You book ballers. I appreciate everything that y'all did for me. I know I got to find new representation. I just want to say thank you. Are you listening?" I said, "Huh." I said, what? They said, you book ballers. I book what? You book ball. Right? So I'm in the middle of the street dancing outside with cars driving by, looking at me like I'm crazy, but I ain't care because I book ballers. There you go. Right. So lo and behold, I drive to the baller set. I'm studying up my lines the night before. I'm reading the script. I'm looking at all the actors, you know, London Brown, uh, Chris Lofton, John David Washington, you know, Donald Carter. You know, I'm just looking at everybody, right? Because I knew I was going to be on TV with them. I get the set. What? Wait, what the hell? Guess where set was? Remember when I told you I first moved to California and I had no. that God? Will you not believe the same place I was a security guard was the same place I booked ballers and the same security guards that I was doing security with was the same ones that walked me to my trailer? They looking wow. at me like, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. You know what I'm saying? Instead of trying to be braggadocious, I was humble. Right. But I said I was consistent in what I believed in. 
So I get on ballers and they take me to set and everything's going crazy. And I'm looking at people. I'm like, man, God, this is really happening. I'm on the big time. Right. And they found out that I was the soldier that got assaulted by the police. I don't know how they found out this information, but hey, if they're going to invest money in you, they're going to do history on you. So they brought me to the director of Ballers. Season four, episode 10 was about Colin Kaepernick and, you know, people standing for the rights. This was when Shut Up and Dribble was big. I got a chance to tell the creator of Ballers, thank you, because you have the number one show on HBO and you touched a sensitive topic that everyone doesn't want to talk about. I never knew that you cared about someone like me. And I just cried. He cried. And I said, I bought a book. He said, you wrote a book? I said, yeah. I said, I got some in the car. He said, you got some in the car. I ran to the car. I came back with a box of books. So the same people that I was binge watching and praising were the same ones that was taking my autograph. And they got a signed copy of my book. So I had a book signing on a set of ballers. What? That's awesome. (laughs) Can't explain it, man. Can't explain it. But ever since that day, you know, Myrna Grant, she loved she loved on me in a dark place, man. And I will be forever grateful to her. In the same way she loved on me, I want to continue loving on the world with my motivational speaking brand, Whispering to Your Soul, because there's so many lives out there. I believe that the world is waiting to hear some truth. That's it, honestly. Bro, that's just beautiful, man. That yeah. is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you guys are just the both of you. Wow. Yeah. Oh, thank Man. you. <laughs> so